this kind of what are my seat seatbelt on? Can leave it on if you need to. Yeah, it might get safer. rocky in here. I feel safer with the seatbelt on on, on your podcast, Kenny. <laughs> Things might get a little crazy. So this reminds me of because of this location, uh, you know, the CB days. I would be over there in Buena Park, and I would uh, talk as Mister Mystic to the Disco Kid. And that radio signal would go all the way from over there, way over there, beyond where I'm pointing to, behind me. To Seal Beach. To Seal Beach. So we're not too far from Seal. This is technically Seal Beach, isn't it? Rossmore. You know, they're still in in effect, and uh, mm-hmm. and there's a big underground thing. Mm-hmm. I have a friend actually that that's in the CB club, and and they are contacted by the government, mm-hmm. and they do drills of uh, bad day scenarios. Oh, what does that mean, bad day scenario? They think that when there's like a bad day, meaning some kind of uh, terrorist or something like that, the first thing that they're going to hit is our cell phones. Okay. Communication. Okay. And the only communication that will be available would be CBs. That's and, cool. And, uh, and tube stuff, you know. Wow, that's Old cool. tube radios and stuff. Because it's not centrally located. You couldn't just take out a bunch of towers to do that. Each, each CB broadcasts from its specific location. Right. That's kind of cool. So that's all you need to do is give those nerds that power. That's what I was thinking. I was a little scared. <laughs> They're going to be talking shit at their next... Um, no, maybe video. it made me want to get a CB again. It did? And I thought maybe uh, you can join the club too. Do you want to be on the bad day scenario? Yeah, you know, we'd have to... Because of where we live now, we'd have to have... Um, Ham. Or, or, or remember they call it skipping, where um, when the atmosphere is just correctly... I don't know, something about the atmosphere... Something about the ionosphere. They said that when on a CB you'd skip, so you'd say something and it would go up and down on the atmosphere and right. it would that's travel you, way further. Yeah, and I mean that's how you could talk to like Russia. Yeah, right. And China and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it never lasted a long time, but you could have maybe a few sentences with. Right, and yeah. then it then it disappeared. I didn't know if it was that or just people were bullshitting me. Uh, probably <laughs> both. We were pretty gullible back in that day. But supposedly that's a real phenomenon. Yeah, right. Yeah. Pretty amazing. They call it skipping. You know. Aren't you going to eat? Oh, yeah. I'm going to eat. Don't mind all this. If you get hot, just roll the window down. If you, you know. You know what I like about you, Ken? You don't have an intro or anything. We just kind of start. Yeah. It's and, already uh, begun. It's already, it's already happened. You remember the drum festival, right? Yeah. When uh, Holdsworth was there? Yes. And uh, we did all the big introductions. Right. And then uh, he pulled me aside right before, you know, he was coming out on stage. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, I would like to do an interpretation of him, but oh. nah, I don't <laughs> I don't think I'd do a good impersonation. Well, maybe. He's so knows. shy, Alan. Yeah, he's like so shy. And, Quiet. and he, said, he said, you know, John, I don't want an introduction. Really? And I said, I said well, you know, we introduce everybody because, you know, Remember, it was like Dennis Chambers and, you know, yeah, Santana. Yeah, it was a great, and, amazing. And all this stuff and Maybe everything. Maybe the best thing, clinic thing I've ever been to, you know, drum show, you know. Just not saying that because you're my friend? No, really. I mean, yeah, no, honestly. Ask anybody that was there. That was like, like, how did that happen, you know? It uh, logistically was, yeah, a nightmare. But at least it went smooth. Right. Yeah, the thing I don't like about a lot of festivals and clinics and stuff is there's so much downtime. Right. So on that, I tried to keep the downtime so that there never was. There's always something I going know. on. Which you never see. Yeah, like in front of the curtain no. having, you know, 
because nobody cares about that normally at a clinic. It's just like you're just expected to sit there for, and it's not like it's a bad thing, but you know, because they don't all have budgets to keep things to going, strike everything, and have a bunch of crew and all that. I mean, like right. you know, like we go to that Hollywood show, and if there's more than one act, you know, there's maybe a good forty minutes in between. Right. Right. Yeah, and then, and then the guitar center drum off. Oh my gosh. There's a lot of downtime on that. That one. one's pretty gnarly because that kind of looks like you're supposed to be at a show. Right. Because you're like in a concert arena yeah, generally. They, they do like Wilton Theater or all those theaters. One time they were like at the Nokia. I think your brother played it once. and. Um, oh yeah, with Jack Black. Yeah. And um, I was there with, you know, Blake. And uh, yeah, it was oh. long. It went, I mean, Bosio went on. I'm not joking like that. 11:30 at night. I'm like, yeah, man. And that and the, like started at five or something. Like that. Yeah, I mean that that's the dance is too long on that one. <laughs> Re Weber. Referring to your other podcast, which is really good too. That Weber guy. Yeah, you like Michael Weber? Yeah. See, when when we were talking on CBs, you know, Michael Weber was working at the Los Alamitos Magic Shop, and um, you know that's where I met him. So 1970. Well, I actually knew him from when I was fairly young because I went to that shop during elementary school. So it's probably the, I don't know. I don't know when Weber worked there, but it was probably 70, 1973 through about 78 that I used to see him at that place, you know. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. My nerdness goes back. Did you know, get any chicks, Ken? No. Yeah, that's no. what I thought. And there were none there. I was, you know, there's no probably that's a, probably that's a different thing now. But back then, there were no female magicians. So if you were at the Los Alamitos Magic Club on a Saturday, when you were probably at some, you know, jazz camp, right? Um, it was all guys learning how to do sponge ball routines and um, card packet tricks. And yeah, my friend Chloe, you got to come see her. She's in Chris Angel. She's a magician. Show. Yeah, uh -huh, she's really good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's uh, that's when I met Weber, and yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I I've listened to that podcast so many times because of all of his um, wisdom. Yeah, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Mm -hmm. I liked. I used some of the stuff I learned in there from Weber. Yeah. You know. But, but yeah, so so you and Alan Holdsworth, they didn't didn't want a. Uh, he didn't want an intro. No, he had a great response, though, when I said, well, you know, I mean, everybody's getting an intro and everything. Mm -hmm. He's like, I think they'll figure it out. <laughs> you know? And he was right. He's, and so I, I, he's I, Alan Holdsworth. I remember he being come, stunned by that out. performance, but so so there was no intro when he's, when his thing went? No, there's nothing. Okay. He just started right. playing. Right. Which is kind of what you do in your podcast. You just kind of start and... Ah, right. You know, I get it. Now just, I get it. You just start going in. Now I get it. As opposed to, ladies and gentlemen... Ken Hada, <laughs> the Podmaster, the magician, the, no, the CV enthusiast, the photographer that. to the stars, no, I the artistic uh, genius of Ken Hada. I try to get a picture of you as we're doing this because I'm going to lose my light. You kind of remind me of Miles. Miles. Did you see Miles today? I did see Miles. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel that you, do you remind yourself more of Miles or Cash? Um, well, it's funny you should, should say that because uh, more of cash actually. Okay. A little bit of miles, but a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. Because uh, um, speaking of magic, yeah. Um, Kelly took them to go see a magic show. Oh. 
and Cash was trying to figure out how to get on stage. Okay. Oh, how cute. Yeah. Uh -huh. like, um, yeah. He's very outgoing and everything. Miles, on the other hand, is very, like, intuitive and, and more... It's funny because Miles is kind of like Miles Davis. He's more intuitive and, mm -hmm. and uh, to himself and everything. Mm -hmm. And Cash is, like, going out there and doing it. Right. This is, uh, my, brother. This is my brother Brooks's kids, by the way, people that are... Right, we're seen. talking about your kids, Brooks. Yeah. So the uh, so he wanted to get up there to what? To do the magic? Because he like thought it was so amazing he wanted to be like near it? Or did he say? No, his whole thing is he wants to be on stage. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. He just wants to be on stage. So. That's where all the action's at. Well, they went to Lynn, uh, Kelly's... Uh, I think it's uncle's funeral or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you know, the part where they go, you know, is there anybody that wants to speak and everything, you oh, know, right. and say something right. nice and everything, which, you know, um, they say before Kelly could do anything, Cash raised his hand and walked up and took the mic. And that's the part everybody just is so afraid to do because it's you're afraid you're going to cry. And, right. But he's told yeah. a great story. He said that, that I liked. Uh, I liked, you know, my uncle because, uh, don't tell anybody, but he let me watch Jaws. <laughs> that's so that's awesome. I bet that just made it even more poignant. That, yeah. Because from a kid, they don't, you know. So, I mean, I, I like to think that he has a lot of uh, me in him. And, so, is that and you? definitely a lot of Brooks and, uh, and, you know, I'm pretty outgoing. Although I am, I am mm -hmm. introverted and shy at the same time, too, but. When when you were Cash's age, did you, is that when you were when you were you know playing the vibes and you felt that you were Snoopy and that you were, you know, playing bebop and or were you older yeah. than that? No, that's when I was like really shy and stuff like that. Mm. I mean, I like being on stage and everything, but but uh, um, I was definitely more shy. Mm -hmm. And then probably in high school is where I, where I really broke out. Mm -hmm. Broke out more on that because, uh, um, you know, I was into all the bird and. Coltrane, mm -hmm. Monk, and, and, you know, all the jazz guys. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when uh, my brother got with Zappa, yeah. I saw him and I was like, wow, you know, that kind of broke me out of my shell. Because how did that, how, and how did that work? Like, why did that do that for you? Um, just seeing he was just very um, extroverted, Yeah, you know, um, definitely a showman, but... Also confident, though. Oh, very confident, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe I got a lot of that from him too, mm -hmm. and and uh, just that you can do whatever you want, you know, like there are no boundaries. You can break the rules. You can be an, a true artist. You know, in my opinion, he was a true artist where he just went out and did whatever he wanted. Um, record company really couldn't tell him what to do. Yes. You know, he uh, he said what he wanted, even when it wasn't popular. Mm -hmm. So. You know that had a pretty huge impact on me. That kind of formed you a little. Yeah, because I never, I never mm. saw that before, and mm. and uh, I wasn't really into uh, any kind of quote unquote, you know, popular rock music or anything. I know. I and know. Uh, and even though he was still on the outside, he still, you know, was playing arenas and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, popular. And, and then did you lower the windows in your Porsche? It's a little, it's a tad stuffy in here. Do you want me to, to just to, uh, just crack them a little bit, like what, like the, the old days at the drive-in movie? Is the Porsche not good enough for you? No, it's not that. Do it's you just want to go? Tad, uh, it's just a tad. Um, 
Oh, then we'll, yeah. we've got the windshield wipers. That's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. How's that? Yeah, that's perfect. A little bit of air for you there, Kenny? No, 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 no. No, I don't need that. Well, it's getting a little stuffy. But, um, well, that that's the way you approach music, isn't it? I mean, you, I mean, who who's a bebop vibraphonist when they're that age? I mean, and who makes drum duet recordings? I mean, who even thinks that? You know, like. Yeah, you know, I think. Um, it doesn't doesn't that take a lot of risk to do that to like to like say I'm just going to make this thing and I know it's not commercial, but I don't care. Yeah, definitely, and um, a lot of that stuff. You know, I mean, when I was when I was playing bebop vibes and mm -hmm. doing all that kind of stuff, you know, my friends were just being kids. They were out doing you know athletics, or they were into you know popular music at the time, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So right. I mean, I was always a little bit against the grain. Um, right. I know. I mean, that's like your style, isn't it? Yeah, and and I think because I was shy too, you know, that was really my haven of just you know. I can control that. I can be there. I can practice. I can try to, you know, push things and and improvise and be out of the box and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, most people just have a hard enough time emulating good musicianship. I mean, you did that, and then you were like, "That's not good enough. I want to make a thing that's never been made before." That kind of takes balls, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. And I mean, I I I was real fortunate that my dad, you know, got me with great teachers early on. And, I mean, I didn't even know. I mean, there's no way that I could have searched out Monk or Bird or Coltrane or mm -hmm. any of that stuff. And even, you know... It wasn't like your peers were listening to that at right, school. Right, right. Nobody was really listening to that. And that kind of became my norm in my world. So I definitely was always on the on a outside, I think, artistic thing. And remember when I was doing that, you know, I mean, bebop was huge in the, you know, 40s, yeah. 50s. right. And then, um, what year are we talking here that you were studying all that? Uh, just when I was a kid. I mean, really young. I think I started. 70s? I started with. Uh, well, I started playing piano when I was three, um, and then I took up vibes when I was five and took from Ruth Ritchie. Right. She, she taught me like a lot of. Um, she used to play with Stan Kenton, and she taught me a lot of uh, basic stuff. Her teacher Earl Hatch was a famous guy at the time okay. he did a lot of the studio stuff he did orchestra stuff and amazing more more orca orchestral mm -hmm. marimba and vibraphones and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um, but very like hard disciplined you know stuff and, and so yeah early on I really had to toe the line it was like either you practice or you don't take from these teachers because you know they had a waiting list of at least 100 people right and uh, you know my dad I don't know how my dad got got me in I think he you know just talked to them and and then I had a meeting with them my first lesson with with all those teachers was just talking and they, they wanted to make sure I was serious um, they asked me about math they asked me about notes asked me about harmony you know and I think apparently because I was a quick enough study or it wasn't even that as much as just I was passionate about it yeah even when I was, was that young, you know? And I mean, it was because of my brothers. They were already in it. My dad was in it. Music was all around our house, right? you know? And they were really supportive. But, um, you know, my dad told me from day one, if, if you want to do this, you have to practice, you know, 
You have to practice a lot, not yeah. just mm, right. not just a little bit. It wasn't like learning the, the third trumpet part in the in the marching band. I mean, it was right. It was intense. Yeah, yeah. It was a lot of intense stuff. Yeah, stuff going on. And I think from that, I just got a lot of uh, creativity out of it. Um, you know, although I didn't, I didn't take the path of like a lot of students that they did, like a lot of Earl's students. They went on to orchestras or studio work. Okay. Or, or stuff like that, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then my dad took me. There was a guy named Hampton Haas who was a really good outside uh, piano player. Okay. And actually, he got he got uh, thrown in jail for drugs, mm-hmm. and then uh, while in jail, he was like a really intelligent guy. Right. He was kind of like Frank Zappa, and he wrote the president. And told him that, you know, I'm an American artist and I'm doing jazz music and everything. And and uh, I got put in jail because of drugs. Mm-hmm. I cleaned up and you're suppressing my artistic hmm. ability. I love that. Nixon I love that. Nixon pardoned him. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And I think he was like, he was young then. You know? Hampton Hawes. Hampton Hawes, yeah. What a trip. And my dad somehow, I think through Carol Kay, because Carol Kay used to pay, play with him. But... Uh, I must have been seven at the time, and so I went to a, a lesson at, at his place, and he was... At Hampton Hodge's place. Hampton Hodge, mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember just going in there, and there's like, you know, black lights and hmm. posters, and he was like a real hippie, okay. long-haired kind of guy. And uh, it was the oddest lesson, because all... For me at the time, I mean, looking back, I know what he was doing, but basically, he had me sit down, and he just said, play. Yeah. I'm like, well, what do you want me to play? Yeah. You want me to play blues? Want me to play? Just play whatever you feel. Hmm. That's that's and, that's really difficult well, to just pull and, out of your ass. I mean, yeah, yeah. And I, I wasn't used to that because yeah. I, everything I was, you know, structured. Structured, yeah. Yeah, and reading orchestra pieces or or playing blues, soloing over blues, or playing, mm-hmm. you know, over two five ones or whatever there is at the time. And so, I was, you know, like a seven year old kid, I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know right. play play whatever you want. So. Okay, so then I just start playing, and uh, I get done, and he goes, okay, well, what about this? And then he would play back pretty much what I did, mm. but then an, embellish and add some substitutions and mm. do all this kind of stuff, and and uh, then he's done, and then I'd go, you know, okay, you know, I'm looking at my dad, you know, okay, now play something else. Mm-hmm. And the whole lesson went like that. Man, that's like fucking sight reading, dude. I mean, worse, because you, yeah, he's saying I mean, to you, like, just be creative. Yeah, just be creative. And uh, that's just, that's and I crazy. think kind of what saved me on that was just, as we all know, when we're kids, we're, you know, it's like, jump off that bridge. Okay, I jump off. That's true. You know what I mean? As we get older, we put impediments on us. It'd be more difficult, wouldn't and, it? And yeah, and you're like, what? And so, you know, so I did that. And then uh, I think I, I didn't take that many lessons from him, probably like, six months or something like that. Mm. But uh, um, they were definitely non-traditional yes. things. Yes, that's know? so, that's crazy, dude. Like, you know, I'm just going to give you a chance to eat a little burger. So your dad, uh, so I, I uh, you know, studied with, uh, you know, the guys in uh, high school, whatever, and, and then I got, you know, with, um, you know, Roy Burns for quite a long time, and then Latham, and... You yeah, know, I studied a little bit with Chad and um, 
But then... You study with Chad? I did, yeah. yeah. When he lived in Coldwater. I didn't know that, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. His... How, uh, how long did you study with him? Uh, maybe... Maybe about half a year. It was just... He just had, you know, had me in stick control, had me in uh, Chuck Flores stuff. That's another one I studied with Chuck Flores. But, 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 but before all that, I got, you know, his apartment always smelled of perfume every time I'd go in there, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, um, I uh, got, I got, uh, so, so then you and I were hanging out and Chuck saw me like at a, you know, I don't know what it was. I don't know. Chuck just said, you know, you, we have to get you with Murray. And I was like, who? And I never heard of Murray, you know. And then, so Chuck... Was Chuck the first one? Because I thought I told you, but maybe... Maybe, maybe you told Chuck. me, but Chuck was the one that got... He did it. Okay. So somebody somebody got me with Murray, so... Probably Chuck, yeah. Okay, yeah. And so then I got with Murray, and... But my question was, is this, is that there are two different types of teachers, and I love the Hampton Hall story because it kind of plays into this. And, you know, like, Murray Spivak was the kind of teacher... It was comprehensive. Like, you, as you know, you had to study, just like you said... He'd drop you if you didn't do it. And there's all kinds of people waiting in line. There's very important people studying there while you're studying, like, the head of these music, musical institutes and things, you know. Oh, yeah. Or with, with Murray, yeah. Vinny Caliudas. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then, and then you know, Garibaldi's after you. And, yeah, exactly. exactly. It's weird. It's very surreal, you know. And, um, and then, but Roy Burns was more of a, I don't know that he really believed in thorough study. Okay. Like, I think he was one of those guys where, like, you know, get your hands together, you know, learn to read, learn to sight read, learn your coordination, but but studies just that. And then it's more important for you to get out there and play. Right. You know? And, Which is important. Right. And you play with musicians of both types, the type that did oh, very yeah. thorough study at their craft. Absolutely. And then, and then others that had less of a, you know, thorough study in their craft. So, right. what's, do you have? Do you see any difference in that? Any value in one or the other? Or, well, sure. There's, there's value in both. I mean, um, and it also depends what you want to do. That's true. You know, I mean, um, <coughs> does it matter that that uh, you know Taylor Hawkins doesn't read and he plays in the Foo Fighters and and he does his thing? Does it take away from his playing that he doesn't read? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, for what he's doing now, if you know, I called Taylor to sub on one of my sessions. Yeah, it would matter. Yes. You know, so I think a lot of it has to do with what you do. What I will say is, I don't think learning is a bad thing, and I know a lot of people think if you learn how to read, you can lose your groove. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. Um, if you're schooled, you know, that takes away from uh, playing the blues. Right. Um, and I don't believe that. Right. You know, um, you know, a lot of people say that if you're not on drugs, you know, you can't, you can't play like, you know, Charlie Bird, Parker. Bird yeah. or, or Coltrane and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that drugs might have played some part as in getting them into a space, but I think that if they didn't put in the time, I mean, those guys could play. You can't just do drugs and play like that. You can't just do drugs. You got to be on that then, instrument for and then play giant steps. Yeah, I mean, right. you, you have to know, you have to put in the time. Yeah. And and you know, natural players, um, they're definitely there. I mean, there's no denying it. I think that everybody has a voice, and I think that 
um, I play differently than you. Yeah. You play differently than Jeff McCall. Everybody has a voice. Right. Um, but I also think that that learning is not a bad thing. That no. it's like it always expands you. Um, you know, they say that when people turn 25, they stop learning. Mm. And I do know some people like that. And they're, they're really good musicians. Mm-hmm. But in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, they haven't progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fine. But I'm just saying, I think always pushing it and learning and everything is the kind of artist that I want to be. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't think that that takes away from that. And if you're hiring a drummer for a specific job... It may, you may hire a different drummer because of their ability to read, or, or I also look at reading as a thing. Tell me, what you think of this? I mean, people think, oh, if you learn to read, it's going to screw up your playing, your mojo, or whatever. Right. But like, does that mean so you can't learn to read words in a book? That means that's going to screw up the way you talk. Right. That's what I, I equate it to. Yeah. Like it seems like it'd make you speak better than. Or have more options when you speak if you know how to read words. Right. And so if you're a musician and you learn how to read music, it seems like, number one, is a different way to digest music. It's it's not just playing it, but you're actually intellectualizing it and seeing this note and learning value and which note it is and duration and all that stuff. And that must do something Well, and, and to the I equate it to this, too. It's <clears throat> like, okay, so they say that takes away. Well, when you read a book... Mm-hmm. You know, you still have to put emotion in it, and that's what I think groove and and uh, and stuff is. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you read a book, and you just don't read the passages. You actually put emotion in it into right. it when you do it, which is life experience, which is the same as music. You know, anybody can read, but can you read? Can you sight read a chart down and put emotion into it? Or that's, could you write a book? That's or could you? Write, what if you're yeah. a storyteller? Right. Does that mean you can't be a storyteller just because you went and learned to read? Of course, right. you can still tell stories. Of course, can't you? you can. Yeah, yeah. It may not make you a better storyteller, right? Maybe, but it might too. It might as well make you a better storyteller. I don't know. I don't know really the answer to that, but I don't think it would actually like hurt it. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. there are great guys out there that are being artists and and uh, and you know, great drummers and doing stuff that don't read. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great guys out there that do read. Right. You know? um, so yeah. Uh, to answer your question, I think it depends on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But from my standpoint and kind of where I've come from, you know, learning has always been a passion. It's like I enjoy learning. I enjoy going to see other artists. I enjoy seeing, you know, everybody. I, did, I actually did a... Uh, it's funny how uh, things are always different than what you think. And mm-hmm. I did... Uh, I was doing loops for a rap session. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and the kid was probably 19 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got done doing the loops and then I went into the control room and everything. And, uh, and the engineer was having a, a hard time looping it. And, uh, and, you know, as you know, I've been into Pro Tools. I think you got me into the first Pro Tools they did early on the, on the Mac. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I do a lot of Pro Tools stuff and everything. So I just... I just told the engineer, I said, hey, you know, do this, make a marker here, and then, you know, cut there, and, and it worked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the artist guy, he goes, he goes, wow, he goes, you're a reader. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, you know, I read music. He goes, no, you're a reader, you read manuals. 
That's funny. That's true. I was like, yeah. You do. I guess I read manuals, you know. So reading goes across <clears throat> anything. But, right. um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, you know, the, the hardest thing about sight reading is, is, you know, reading it. It's not just reading it down and nailing it. It's reading it down and nailing it with emotion. You know, right. And, and, and reacting to the music and, right. and doing all that kind of stuff. Right. That's more. There's more to it than just to learn to read. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It reminded me when you said that about reading manuals. I remember reading manuals. Oh my gosh, you were the king of reading manuals. Yeah. I got you into reading manuals before, you know, we went on, out on tour. And yeah, I actually read them on the tour. World. I remember being on a bus in Japan reading the Studio Visions manual, which was like this thick. Yeah, that's right. Remember that? Yeah. And Bunny was in the bus and Kazumi. And Bunny's a good reader. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was up on all that Studio Vision stuff. And yeah. 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 What do you think about this whole thing about drummers having to be engineers? Like, does it affect the quality of the drum engineering going on on the drum product? Meaning, I was a drummer all my life, and then all of a sudden I got to become an engineer because it's just the way it is these days. I mean, how how's it going to sound the same as if some as as opposed to some guy who's actually an engineer? Right. No, I, I think it totally sounds different. I think um, I think there's a lot of great engineers out there, and a lot of great drummers that that didn't make the uh, technology change. Yeah. You know, and uh, and you know, I think it's a shame in a lot of ways. Um, you know, budgets have gotten smaller, um, tools have gotten cheaper. Um, you know, you have a whole studio now in, in your computer. Right. You know, you have most of it on your iPad, even on your phone. Um, so, you know, how we make music has changed, how the delivery of music has changed, mm -hmm. even live performance. I mean, DJs, which are essentially producers these days, mm -hmm. um, you know, they used to get credits on the album, you know, Pink Floyd produced by, you know, all those people and, and everything. Now, yeah. the producer came out and you know under the frame of dj mm -hmm. and now it's you know uh calvin harris featuring taylor swift right the producer became the artist that's interesting and that's never been you know before and in early edm right um everybody would hide their faces right because it was a bunch of tech guys like you down a little bit yeah you don't like my porsche do you you know, I just wore this long sleeve, and I thought I'd be... We put it all the way down. Is it, will it go all the way down? Because yeah. I... You're probably cold, but I'm... Hot. I'm okay. You know me. I'll put my jacket on. So what do you think of that, as the, that they're the main act now? I mean, what do you... Because you're, you're a... You're, you're, you know... I think it's awesome. I yeah. mean, I, I think... Um, and I, I think, you know, Electric Daisy uh, Carnival, you know, EDC... It started out 15 years ago with, you know, 50 people in a park. Mm -hmm. And then DJs, you know, doing their thing. Yeah. Um, that built into, I think now it's at the Las Vegas Speedway. I believe it's 300,000 a night. And it's four nights. Sold out. Sold out like a year in advance. Mm -hmm. um, 
so people are like, oh, that's not music, you know, or, or that's not, you know, musicianship and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, it is because they're, they're creating, I mean, like Calvin Harris or Deadmau5, um, those guys, they're creating music. They're just not cutting other people's music. So they do do, you know, yeah. they do that as well. Um, but it's an experience. It's a performance. It's a performance. It's a performance. They okay. get out there. They have lights. Um, you know, this is like, it's a carnival, so they have rides. They have all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're creating an experience to come to, which, is, which isn't any different than any other concert experience. The only difference is there's no musicians up there. Right. But they're still delivering music. But there's one musician, right, who's the guy doing the whole thing? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so... Does it change? That's the Can it change? Is there any variances at all? Can it change? If I went to see... This, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a lot of ways now, uh, dance music and DJs, they're more creative than a lot of the cookie-cutter things because they actually perform live and they can change it up and they can do vamps. Oh, so it's not rehearsed in a sense. Right. Some are, some aren't. Okay. Okay, so you have have some that do, but a lot of the freestyling stuff that goes on within the show is more improvisational. Yeah. That's bizarre. Yeah. And some of their, their jams, they go on longer than any jazz or fusion records that we've listened to. Hmm. And, really? Yeah. Hmm. And some of their builds, you know, they build up for, for tons of minutes and people go crazy because, you know, it's a build. Um, pumping bass, it's all excitement and it's, it's a performance, you know? Hmm. So there is a musical component to it. Yeah, absolutely. A creativity... Yeah. I mean, a lot of my musician friends don't agree with me, but my take on it is that, you know. Mm. But all the ones that don't agree with me have never been to the festival. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Or they just discount it and everything. But there is something... Art is art, okay? So, you know, we have the internet now, we have DJs, we have, we have pop music that has always been around and will always be around, you know. She's coming around the mountain when she comes. It's mm-hmm. pop. You know, mm-hmm. easy melodies that are music for the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's always going to be the same. The delivery method is different now. You know, mm. most people are just in ultra clubs. Uh, the kids, they don't see bands as much. There, there is a small percent still that are bands, you know, Fall Out Boy and stuff like that. And they are actual bands. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the biggest selling music right now is dance music and... Uh, and and rap, so which is pretty crazy. I mean, that's that's uh, not that it's better, but it discounts an entire generation of the way a thing was done. Right. Not discounts, but it, it doesn't it, discount. No, it's just it changed. But it doesn't include it. Disclu- it doesn't include, you know, an entire generation of the way things were created. Right. So now things can be created with one person. So it's like you go and you can you can cut things together. You can go on, on Instagram. You can start building a following. You can go out yourself and start playing clubs. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, before you would have to get a drummer, you'd have to get a bass player, you'd have to get a guitar player, or, you know, keyboards, whatever, whatever you did. Right. And then uh, that's how that was done. Mm. But now it's not that. And then now, even you don't have to sing, you get another singer, and then it's you featuring that singer. And in, in, in many ways, it's more interesting because you have, you know, um, Tiesto and you have, okay, so he drops stuff, drops stuff every couple of weeks. 
it's a different singer on it. So it's his take on all these different singers and his his uh, creative stuff going out on that. Hmm. That's crazy. You say drop stuff. I mean, I drop stuff all the time. You mean he? What does it mean to drop stuff? Oh, I mean releases a song. Oh, I drop sticks all the time. So you do drop sticks. Yeah, don't you? I do. I drop sticks I have a sometimes stick too. Ca- I have a little stick caddy for that in case that happens, so that I'm able to recover my stick after I've dropped it. Right. The Nam show. Somebody. Uh, and I hear these people are dropping a beat, and that was a bad, <laughs> it was a negative thing to drop a beat back in the day because if you dropped a beat, oh my God, the whole band would be off by you know a quarter note. Right. These days they drop beats left and right. People oh. even announce they're going to drop a beat. I just I just heard a song where uh, they they took the uh, it's a great groove. I can't remember what the song was, but I just heard it and uh, and okay, so they're playing an E, right? And then they drop a solo in that is playing an E flat. Whoa! So that's some serious what? Dissidence or right? Some so kind it's of either a, completely wrong yeah. or in jazz it would be you know. Okay. Right. Yeah. Wow. But um, wow. you know, and and people go nuts over that. They're like, oh, it doesn't go. You know, but oddly enough, it works. Yeah. It it built tension on that. And I'm sure it was just some guy that didn't know about music. And he just threw that in, and then he threw just a solo off a loop library and put it out. It became a hit. He liked the way it sounded. He liked the way he it didn't sounded. didn't question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's actually interesting. Yeah. So I mean, it's all creative, and uh, and. You know, we all put out our art, and that's what we do. I mean, uh, if you love it, you do it, no matter what stage of life. Right. You know, like Johnny Depp, he's in the Hollywood Vampires now, and he said he just always wanted to play in a band. So now he's playing in a band. You know, Johnny he, Depp's in a band? Yeah. Can actors play music? I think anybody can play music. But, but are they musicians? You're a musician. You hear a mu- an actor playing a musical instrument. Do you believe it? It depends on the person. Name an actor who's a good musician, or passable musician. I don't know. Off the top of my head. Yeah, to think. Okay, well, you can, yeah. about, you can think about it. Okay, you got um, me. I can't. I can't think of one. No, I'm just saying because you know how it is. I mean, some. But I'm talking about art. I'm saying, I know. I'm saying, hey, Johnny mm-hmm. loves to play, so he does it. No, no, I get There's that. There's definitely something about that. Now, is he Eddie Van Halen? You know, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying, Holdsworth? is it? Is it? Because some actors they were musicians before they were actors, right? And they can sort of still do it because they were that was what they were. But some of them, like maybe they were actors and they're like, you know, I like this music thing. I don't know this, but it seems like Josie and the Pussycats. Who's that? Those chicks could play. The, and so then these actors try to do music. And to me, it just sounds like they're only up there because they're famous actors. And, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, and they're going on the road and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's all right, but it's not like it's like stuff that made it because of the music. Right. Not to say that music hasn't been helped along by marketing. But, and, right. Well, there's, that's the other thing. There's so many. I mean, do musicians wait around and they think. My God, I, can't, I you know, I hope blah 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 takes up the bass because I want to play with me. I want to play some actors, you know, because they make the best musicians. Right, I do that every day. <laughs> <I think. 
<laughs> Good point, Hada Boy. No, I mean, I'm just, well, I'm just asking because, you know, I feel like musicians are different. Like, I feel like musicians are sort of a, a cult or a, or a, a, not a cult, but they're like a... Um, oh, yeah, no, they're, they're a tough crowd. But they're, but they're a real thing, I feel. I feel musicians are like a real... Um, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? Like a, like a, um, a culture. Like, I feel like your dad, Chuck, is a musician. So you don't think Johnny Depp would be playing with, uh, with Alice Cooper and uh, those guys if he wasn't Johnny Depp? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe if he was a musician beforehand. I mean, I'll tell you something. A musician can tell. A musician can tell by listening after about a couple of bars if the dudes. No, I agree with Just that. got there because he's an actor. Because I agree with that. Yeah. There's no faking it. There's no faking it. Musician, right. you're a musician. It's a thing. You have to, and anybody can become a musician. I, I believe that too. Right. But you have to put your time in. You have to. No, I agree with Be that. all in. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I'm not putting down actors. I'm just saying that... I'm saying musicians are sort of a special breed. No, they are. It's just because probably the same goes for actors trying to be... Or musicians trying to be actors. Probably the same thing. They probably kind of phony up the place. Right. I don't, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know anything about acting. But I know music. And I know sometimes, you know, I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not buying it. Well, yeah. And I mean... Uh, the thing is, you can't, even with art and everything, you can frame it, you can sell it, you can uh, shove it down everybody's throats, but eventually, I believe the real stuff floats to the top. And I, I think that with Beatles, I think there's good Beatles, I think there's bad Beatles. I think there's great Beethoven, I think there's bad Beethoven. I think there's good and bad on every level of of art. Now, some people don't agree with me. They think everything they did is great, everything. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think there's different levels and, and there's different things going on. And, yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, marketing is a big deal of it. When, when Guns N' Roses got signed to Geffen, yeah. they, uh, they had no budget. They basically. They recorded at a studio that I was doing uh, jingles at mm -hmm. when they were doing that that album, and uh, and you know they they just got signed to Geffen. They didn't, you know, they didn't expect anything. They didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. They uh, they broke into the uh, the liquor refrigerator and broke it and <laughs> all this all this kind of stuff. But but I heard some of their tracks and I was like, there's something there. You know, I mean, there's mm -hmm. there's something pure about what they were doing, right? Um, and Geffen had five other bands exactly like them because you know that's what they do. They sign. They do. They, they do sign, it that way. They, they sign, should, that's what they would do. Right. And uh, and this this one band I can't remember the name, but they put in like two million dollars worth of promo, pushed them. They got them on MTV. They did they did all that stuff. Didn't go anywhere. Mm. And then. Uh, so they threw some money at, at uh, Guns N' Roses and, and they did, you know, I think Welcome to the Jungle was their first one or whatever. Mm -hmm. They put it out there. They spent like nothing on yeah. their video. You know, that first video was nothing. Right. They got it on Headbangers Ball at like two in the morning. It exploded. It just went crazy. Mm -hmm. And then it started selling like crazy. Mm -hmm. They dropped all the other bands. They still didn't put that much money into them because it just went on their, its own. Right. Um, so even like, quote unquote, executives, um, experts, all that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, same thing with Nirvana. I mean, it's like you can't predict any of that stuff. Right. 
you know. Which is he, why they probably had five different acts, similar acts. Right, and that's what they do. I mean, and, and even with Kanye West and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, nobody knows. I mean, nobody knows what's going to be pure and what's going to, you know, stand out there. Right. Or affect people. Does the artist know? I don't even think the artist know. Because if the artist knew, you know, Michael Jackson would have done 10 Thriller albums. Mm. But he didn't, mm. you know. Right. Led Zeppelin would have done, you know, more. Right. Of what they did, or uh, Pink Floyd, or, or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, people say, oh, everything was great. But really, if you analyze it, it's like, no, there's some special stuff, you know. Right. There's some special things that resonate, that, uh, that stand, you know, the test. Right. And, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if it's dance music. doesn't matter if it's, you know. I mean, I loved it when rap came in and everything, because to me, that was like, you know, the new rock and roll. Everybody hated it. Everybody said it wasn't going to last. Now you can't, you know, you can't get a Grammy unless you rap. No, it's like a staple. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a staple. You know, staple. and that's going away. You know, now that now the electronics DJ guys are taking over, and then that's mm -hmm. going to go away. And then, you know, like mm -hmm. Bowie said, you know, watch out, rock and rollers. But, you know, you're a drummer, and, and you know, what would you say to somebody who is... At a, studying at a conservatory or at a trade school to be a drummer, what would you tell them to do? Get into engineering, get into producing, get into... Uh, you mean if they just want to be a drummer? I don't know. I mean, like, they, let's say I'm some guy, I want to be a drummer, I like whoever it is, and so I go study the drums, and I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to have a career just being a drummer. Okay. Then, yeah, you're going to have to know how to engineer. You're going to have to know how to produce. Um... You're gonna to have to take a business class, or study business. You're gonna to have to study sales. You're gonna to have to know how to sell yourself. You're gonna to have to know how to get along with people. You're gonna to have to know how to go out on tour when the bass player hates your guts and he sucks and you're driving the bus, but he's locked into the band. You're gonna to have to know how to get along with him. Just suck it up, right? For six months. Yep. You're gonna to have to get along with a crazy female lead singer or a crazy male singer. You're gonna to have to get along with management when they're trying to get you out to get their friend in for cheaper. There's right. a lot, there's a lot right. of stuff to it. And that stuff stays the same, right? All that stuff, stuff has just, always been the same. That's real practical advice right there, what you just said, because that's that sounds like the road. Right, right. <laughs> you want to get No matter called, what you're playing, no matter what your instrument. Right, you want to get called back to a session, um, make sure you make the engineer your best friend. Make sure you make the producer your best friend. Make sure you give them what they want. Make sure you can figure out what they are saying. 